It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Sunday, May 5th, 2019, and this is Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Episode 312, a very special episode 312, featuring Adam Kaufman and myself, Evan Valenti, is brought to you in part by betonline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash Beat. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Today's show is also brought to you in part by Robinhood. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock to help you build your portfolio. Sign up today at celtics.robinhood.com. All right, everybody, welcome into a new edition of Celtics Beat. This is a, uh, well, this is unique. We don't just yeah. record on a Sunday morning. Uh, so, you know, you're getting this thing is really hot off the digital presses, I guess. And uh, also, this show is going to have a little bit of a different feel. It's not going to be the standard, you know, a beat guy comes on and we generally interview, have a conversation, that sort of This This is... Going to be much more a couple of dudes sitting at a bar with whenever you don't hear me on this show, you hear Evan Valenti hosting in my place. Well, now you're going to get both of us. So hopefully you like both of us. If you don't like either of us, well, then you're really in trouble because this yeah, is totally not the true. show for you. You've got the two of us. And uh, Ev, let's let's just jump into this thing, because as we know, Celtics have uh, not unlike the Bruins, who, by the way, have rallied back to take a 3-2 lead in that series. Celtics have fallen behind 2-1 after taking game one, lost the last couple, and now they've they've got this big game four coming up, which is, I know it's not technically a must win, but to win this series, really, I think we would agree you can view it as a must win. Uh, and that's, you know, coming up tomorrow. Here's, here's where I want to start, though, because I've been taking, you may have seen, I've been taking a lot of crap on Twitter. You take a lot of crap on Twitter all the time, though. Like, I do. This, I this do. is this, this is not new. <laughs> no, I I do on a regular basis. Oftentimes because of things that I say on this show or that I tweet and then bring to this show. Right. And this is not a uh, any different because I made the proclamation twice actually, but right before Game Three, I made the proclamation. I said I don't I don't know if you believe in jinxes. I don't really care. This is a guaranteed Celtics victory. Nice. And and the reason that I felt that way. And hell, like in retrospect, I, st- I I don't question my thinking at all. It was Kyrie plays like crap in game two. Tatum still has not found himself. Felt that those guys coming home would respond well in game three, just in general, which, by the way, you could argue they both did, at least in terms of bottom line statistics. 
But really where my motivation came from was I thought all the Havlicek tributes and the, you know, the Johnny Most, Havlicek stole the ball, screaming. The garden was just going to be so bananas that it was going to carry the Celtics to victory. And obviously that didn't happen. Well, to your credit, Kyrie played okay. He had 29 points, 11-12 from the free throw line, six assists in the game. Uh, Tatum had his best game in the series by far. So in a way, you're correct. Uh, but after that, you know, it's it's kind of uh, rough looking at the bench when you have, after you look at the starters. But like, you know, look, you, you look, you got to come out hot. You can't. Uh, and it's not like the hottest prediction anybody's ever made. I mean, you got Paul Pierce on the jump or or after the game, after game one, saying the yeah, series is over. over. So, I mean, if everybody's going to take, you know, s- some flack, I mean, I think it's going to be Paul Pierce for a while because, you know, come on, that's a ridiculous statement to make. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, game game three was – had a lot of emotion attached to it with John Havlicek. And, again, you did a great job um, last week doing a, a great job of getting just a bunch oh, of great people to talk about uh, how awesome John Havlicek was. Um, but you know, you have, you have a lot of emotion in the building for that game. I mean, you know, the garden always brings it in terms of playoff intensity. Um, I did see somebody had a, a thread on Reddit at one point talking about how, uh, the, that the ESPN microphones were so bad during that game because they did not capture the sound of the garden in its entirety. Um, mm-hmm. that's correct. It was factual. Uh, but like, you know, you had a lot of emotion. You have a, a revved up Boston city, right. <laughs> that's had a ton of success this year in terms of the sporting world and trying to will another team to another finals, which is feels insane. Um, and, and then your, you know, your assumption of Kyrie coming back and having a big game was, was true because I mean, he said it after the game. It's like, I know what I have to do. I have to play better here, 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 and here, and here. And it's, I'm going to play better. Don't, don't worry about it. So like your proclamation was good. I look to throw him out there. I mean, I, I, I could, I, I've thought about, are the Celtics done already? Like as a, as a, as a, you know, go the other other direction, thinking about you know Boston matching up now against Giannis, who's going to go to the free throw line a million times a game. So, you know, you gotta you gotta find a mid ground. I think Adam, you and me. Do you believe in jinxes just in general? Like, do you? I know growing up, I did, and even through college, I did. But I don't know, maybe maybe working in this industry and and covering teams and being around athletes and all that, it's just and, and being in this this culture that this industry is at this point where you're you're supposed to come out and have the hot takes or whatever I just I don't and I'm I'm not a I just tweet or say what I believe and if you want to interpret that as a hot take that's on you it's not intentionally a hot take I don't say stuff just to rev people up that's never been my style and anyone who knows me knows that or or often will criticize me for that but I don't believe I've just never in in the last decade or so, I've never really been a jinx guy. Like it's it's so far removed. You know, back in I remember back in college when the Red Sox were and they didn't win in '04 until that was that was the I was just a few months out of school. But I remember some of those deeper playoff runs, like the year before when they lost the the game seven on the Boone home run in the ALCS, and and I was so anally retentively superstitious, if that is even a phrase, in that series. Where, you know, I, it didn't, I would sit in the same spot on the couch for every single game. Yeah. I wouldn't move. I would, all this stuff that everybody, you know, we're typical the same. Typical Red Sox behavior right here. Yeah. This is typical yeah. Red Sox right. fan right here. Right. T- exactly. You know, prototypical. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I don't believe in jinxes at all anymore. Like, it doesn't even register to me that, that in some cosmic way, my saying, you know what, the Celtics are definitely going to go out and win game three has any sort of bearing on the outcome of that game. But there are people, or at least they act like it on social media, that seem to really believe in that stuff. The only thing, uh, I, I do the respect biz, 
sort of move with no hitters where I just won't talk about it. Like, I, I don't believe sure. in superstitions either, but, like, I'm not going to be the guy that's like, hey, you know, we just, we're through six and no hits on the board here. Like, that, that, I, would, I won't beat that guy because I just have respect for the profession. Um, but, no, I don't think anybody saying anything is, is really, you know, going to really, t- you know, shift the balance of a series because you say something online. I think that's crazy. I think it's insane. But, again, I respect the people that do it, that get crazy over that kind of stuff because I've been that person before. Um, again, and the Red Sox are the sole reason why, uh, no question about it. Cause again, you know, when you're, when you've gone through some of the heartbreaks of the, and against, you know, older fans roll their eyes right now because, you know, look, I'm 29 years old. Uh, when the Red Sox, when I was younger, the Red Sox made an art form out of collapsing in the second half of the year. Uh, right. I'm sick of watching that. All right. Now that we've had a nice run. Uh, very thankful for it, but uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't do any of that stuff. The no hitter thing, I think, is just a respect thing. But other than that, no, I don't really right. care. So, in the spirit of of stupid crap that people either choose to believe or not believe, to bring it back to the Celtics, and you brought up all the free throws from Giannis Antetokounmpo, who, by the way, if my math, I know this was true at least halfway through Game Three, and I haven't gone back to see if the math still checks out, but I believe it does. He has in this series taken more free throw attempts than field goal attempts. I believe that. Which is just insane. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. It absolutely, where I agree with Kyrie Irving, it absolutely slows down the flow of the game. I don't think there's any way to argue that. What I do not believe, and I'm glad that Brad Stevens did not say this or Jalen Brown did not say this. Kyrie kind of alluded to it, but ultimately wouldn't go there. But a lot of people in the media or fans want to point to it. The Celtics, I tweeted this yesterday. The Celtics lost that game because they lost their heads and they did not play well from basically three, four minutes left in the third quarter till the end. They didn't lose because of officiating. They lost because they started to play like crap. They got too sloppy. They turned the ball over too much. They maybe got in their own heads as a result of the way the officiating yeah, that's, was that, That's the but, one I'm going with. I, I yeah. think they, they clearly— But they didn't lose because of the officiating. No. I, I think I think, I think think the, the officiating got in their heads and they, and they just— you know, they stopped running offensive sets and just started taking stupid shots at the end of the at the end of the game. I yeah, mean, well, and and they started to you know let's let's take three after three after three. Right. It was, we've seen them do a hundred times this year to try and shoot their way back into a game, and sometimes that works, but more often than not, it doesn't. No, and they don't realize that there's a lot of game left, and a ten point lead isn't that big of a deal when you're the Boston Celtics, and you can get open looks. Uh, from three-point range if you just are a little bit more methodical about it. I mean, that's, that's the one thing about this team that drives me nuts, and, and I think it's driven a lot of people nuts this year. Um, the, the officiating played in their heads. It's not the reason why they lost. They were slapping the first half of the basketball. I mean, you just got to be better than that. Uh, I think they had, like, seven turnovers in the first quarter. Uh, yeah, and the, I think they put 18-20 for the game, something yeah, like that. I mean, you, can't, you just can't turn the ball over that many times in a playoff game against a team that's better than they had 17 turnovers in game three. I mean, that's just not going to get it done. And to be frankly honest about that, you can talk about the free throws if you want, all that all that garbage. You're not going to beat a team that won 60 games in the regular season if you're turning the ball over 17 times a game. It's just not going to work. Uh, and, and a result of the, the, bad, the bad foul situation, you have guys now trying to press, as you've talked about. You have guys now that are getting lazy on defense and not getting back after misses because you have so many misses in a row now, right? You're chucking shots from three, and now you have all these misses in a row. And guess what? That feeds into Milwaukee's hands because they love to get out on the break with Giannis as a ball handler. Or Chris Middleton will, will take the ball from one end of the court to the other and pull up from three-point range and hit that because you're not set yet. I mean, this is what happens. These things compound themselves. And, you know, you, and as Brad has talked about, and it's the way you have to play the Warriors, too. You can't 
take a possession off. Every single possession is valuable. Boston plays that way when they play Golden State. They're not playing like it right now. They're playing Milwaukee. Why do you suppose, though, what we saw in Game 1 has been so different these last couple of games? You know, people like to point to, well, here they are, the regular season Celtics game. Again, the the inconsistency and and, lack of balance, lack of bench play, whatever that that you see over the course of, of the season now rearing its ugly head against Milwaukee. I think it, you know, you go back to, to that Pacers series. And I said at the time, and, and another thing I said on Twitter and got killed for, they did. Yes. They swept the series. They didn't play well in that series. You know, they, they won in convincing fashion, not game to game, but overall for the series because they played a far inferior team with no stars. You look back at that series, they didn't win a single one of those games by more than 10 points. It was, you know, 10, it was 8, it was 8, and it was 4. And in each of them, they trailed in the second half. So you knew coming into this series against the Bucks, they were going to have to be substantially better. In Game 1, they were. They basically played, at least compared to that Indiana series, a perfect 48 minutes. The last couple of games, the defense has abandoned them. That, you know, walling off Giannis Antetokounmpo has not worked. They haven't even really attempted to in the same way. I don't know if the Aaron Baines injury has played into that, and he has not been as as significant and as available as he was back in game one. And then you have, again, Kyrie has just, yes, he had 29 points the last time, but he's missed 14 shots each of these last two games. You have the abundance of turnovers that we've already talked about. Tatum not showing up until game three. Morris has been good. Brown has been pretty good. Um, Gordon Hayward, who's supposed to be this X factor in the playoffs has really, I mean, he's had one good game in the playoffs. Maybe, maybe you could say two, one particularly good statistical game, but generally in this series has not played well, pretty good in game one, terrible last couple there. There are all sorts of things that you look at this series that you say, this is concerning how they're going to rebound from this. game. Let me ask you a question, please. Is Jalen Brown the best player for the Celtics in the series right now? Is he having the best series? It's either him or Marcus Morris. I just find that interesting. Jalen is, if you go back to last year, Jalen played really well against Milwaukee last year until he got hurt. He was like kind of their big key. And maybe maybe Brad has to realize that Jalen's really just geared up for this Milwaukee series whenever he plays the Bucs. I mean, he's playing well on both ends for the most part. I mean, you know, you go back to that ridiculous foul call he got uh, trying to guard Eric Bledsoe right in front of uh, Coach Bud there and got a, a stupid foul call way late. Um, but other than that, like, I've been pretty impressed. He doesn't – he's not afraid of Giannis, by the way. He's dunked on Giannis twice this series. Um, out of all the people that that, that, that you would have expected, I, I'm not sure if I would have expected Jalen Brown to be the best player for Boston this series so far. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing for Boston or not. You would think that in a, in a series against Giannis, who's emerging as, you know, a top-five player in the league right now, that Kyrie would need to have to be your best player for you to win that series. I mean, I just, I'll just be honest with you, Kyrie's super talented. And at, at so far, I mean, I'm not trying to kill Kyrie. He's been, he's been pretty good outside of game two where he was awful. I mean, game three, yeah, he had 29 points. But as you pointed out, he missed a ton of shots. But at least he got in the column. Um, he got to the free throw line, thankfully. Um, right. But, I mean, it's been Jalen, I think, I think for by a, a significant margin right now. And, I, and, and I, that's, I can't bode well for Boston. I do think that Kyrie has to play like Kyrie's supposed to play. And and if Jalen's going to be 
this this you know lightning rod and, and nobody else is going to respond, then you're just going to have a problem. But you know, if, if you were to take one uh, one thing away from how pitiful Game Three was, Adam, to build on, what are you doing if you're Stevens? I mean, you got to have something to look back on and say we're doing this well because Brad like talked about. It. I think he was somewhat upbeat about the way they played, but. Um, you know, what would you take from game three and say, we, if we just do more of this, we're going to be fine. Offensive balance. Yeah. You know, the fact, the fact that there was no one guy that, that had to get a shot at all times. I mean, yes, you had Kyrie take the 22 shots and, and like you, I'm happy about the aggressiveness going to the free throw line. I want to see more of that. I want to see more of it from Tatum. I want to see more of it from Horford and so on. Brown doesn't have to do it. We know that he's, he's not the best free throw shooter in the world anyway, although he is shooting pretty well in this series, but you know, I think it is the balance. I think that, you know, you had Morris, Tatum, Horford, Irving Brown, all those guys, for the most part, hitting their shots. You know, they all had, except for Irving, good shooting nights, and they all took enough shots to, you know, be respectable for, to or to kind of fall in line with who they are. I, I think the problem that you look to improve upon somehow is is just how little you got from the bench in that last right. game. You know, you had 16 total points between Hayward and Ojale, and, and obviously uh, down the stretch you had the starters coming out because they didn't have to finish that game as it was. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at it now. You've got four for four for 16 were, were the shots from the bench in uh, in that game three loss. Only went to the free throw line four times. Those were all Hayward. Uh, Three-point shooting was fine, and those are the only shots that they hit, by the way, Ojale and Hayward. Nobody else hit anything from uh, inside, which which brings me back to just off the top of my head, too. I, I saw this, that I think it was Mark D'Amico tweeted it. What was the number? It was it was like 5 for 15 or or something like that, somewhere in that general range of inefficiency, the Celtics in that game from within five feet. Oh. You know, the, the, the scoring... The scoring in the paint was atrocious. It was, I think, it was fifty-two to twenty-four, uh, rough numbers anyway. The the shooting, uh, the uh, the the points in the paint between the Bucks and the Celtics, they just it it feels. You look at the numbers on paper and you say, okay, they went to the free throw line thirty-two times, they made thirty, but the efficiency was kind of a mirage where they were in that game. You know, a lot of that stuff came late, so. I don't know. Well, I mean, part of that, you know, part of that is because you've answered the question. You got to continue to be aggressive inside, but m- much more aggressive than you were the last time out. Well, we got part of the reason why it's hard to score inside against the Bucks is their length. I mean, that, you know, I know that Brooke Lopez might not be the the best defender of all time, and, and Boston has done a nice job of just absolutely roasting him and pick and roll. But there are other guys in that team that are long and can play defense. You know, Giannis right. covers a lot of ground. Chris Middleton's a great defender. Bledsoe's having a great series defensively. He is a train wreck on offense, but he's having at least a a, a, a somewhat good uh, run here defensively for, for Milwaukee. I think George Hill's played somewhat well. He played really well in game three. Um, but they have some length on the inside, and that's that's making life difficult. And and you know, I mean, how many blocks did, did they have? Did the Bucks have last game? They had seven blocks, and they they're just they're tough on the in- interior part of the paint. That's why you know Boston had so much success in Game One, finding the mid range and hitting from the mid range. Um, and and because those shots are going to be open, they're going to guard the three point line, and they're going to pack the paint. They're going to make you beat you make them beat you from the most inefficient area on the floor. And if Boston's going to hit shots from there, then that it's, then maybe it opens up the middle, but if, but if they're not going to shots in there, it's going life's going to become difficult. And 
And, you know, if, if Morris is having a bad game, then that, that's going to be bad. You know, Tatum loves the mid-range. He, you know, frequently pulls up there. Um, Kyrie is sort of a mid-range maestro if he has the right matchup. Sometimes um, I think he settles on certain guys in the mid-range too much. Like when he has the big advantage, like when he's got a big on him, like just go to the rack because you're Kyrie Irving and you're going to get fouled. Or you'll get a nice finish because he's just incredible at it. But the Bucks defensively are, are a really good team. They've been, they're – you know, one of the better defensive teams in the NBA all season. I think Boston's, you know, uh, going to struggle against this team just based off their length in general. But I don't. I, I just think if Boston hits a couple more shots um, from the outside a little bit better, they can they can really open this up and really compete with this Bucks team. I don't think this series is over. And it was, I think you kind of introed the podcast with you know Boston just watched the Bruins get down two one and then take control of the series now up three um, two. They can obviously come back here and make this interesting. But you know now you're going to have to try and beat. The Bucks, you know, going to Game Four is only four games left, and you got to somehow find a way to win three of those four against a tough Milwaukee team. That's going to be difficult. I mean, the 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 deck the deck is stacked against Boston right now, and um, you know, I'm looking at this roster and I'm saying, all right, there's you know, it's obviously possible, but I mean, certain guys really have to step up their game, and somebody has to play well off the bench. I mean, you can't just get zeros, and you can't have Semi Ojale come off the bench and be your best player off the bench. It's not going to work. Adam, let's take a quick break to tell you today's show is brought to you in part by betonline.ag. The NBA playoffs are here. It's time to make some serious money. The C's are plus 1,400 to win the NBA title. So they get past Milwaukee, they get past the next round, move on to the NBA Finals, and win the NBA Finals. You bet 100, you win 1,400 bucks. Not a bad bet if you're a diehard C's fan, okay? If you want to go series to series, not a problem there. That also works, Okay. Go against the Bucks right now, down 2-1. Your odds would be pretty good. If you think they're going to come out of the East, roll with them at plus 550. Again, great odds. Go to clnsmedia.com slash Beat to get a 50% bonus when you sign up and use the promo code CLNS50. Don't be left on the sidelines. All this excitement going on to the court. Plus, they have the online virtual casino. You can make some money there as well. You have futures for MLB right now. You have NFL futures already out. There's the NHL playoffs, too. Bunch of things for you to make money on. Um, if you miss the Derby, of course, that stinks. But you got the Preakness still and the Belmont coming up, too. So there will be some horse racing opportunities there. A lot going on in the sporting world. Make some money today and make sure whatever you do, you use betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. And clnsmedia.com slash Beat promo code CLNS50. You know what I think it boils down to? You know, I, I think we're talking a lot about, and understandably, a lot about the who you need more from or strategically what you need to do offensively. Celtics over these three games have scored 112, 102, 116. I don't have any problem with their offense. This is a fair point. You know, for the most part, I don't have any issue with their offense. And even if you even if you don't want to highlight bottom line numbers like I just did, generally watching the flow of the game – and how everything shakes out by the end, I don't have an issue with the offense. It's the defense. They've allowed 123 points each of the last two games. How many games are you going to win when you allow 123 points? You know, even if the Celtics put up 120 in each of those two games, which would be a very good, well above average offensive night, how many games are you going to win doing that? So they have given up 123 each of the last two after 90 in that first game where they, I'm not going to say shut down, but certainly contained and stifled and frustrated Giannis Antetokounmpo. In this last game, and I can't believe it's taken us this long to even bring this up, 
Freaking George Hill had 21 points. Right. George Hill in a playoff game had 21 points against this Celtics team. And, you know, it's Giannis is going to get his, as he should. You got to worry about the other guys. Middleton went off in game two. Middleton kills me. I think Middleton haunts my sleep, I think. I think I have, like, he is unbelievable against Boston. I I I understand why he just turns it on against Boston, but he he kills me. Man, is he good. I love him. I, I love watching him. I think he's great. But it, you know, there can't always be, and I don't have all these box scores up up in front of me, but just kind of going off the top of my head here, like in this most recent game, yeah, Giannis was great. He got his. He had 16 points at the free throw line, which is half his points. But Middleton went for 20. Hill went for 20. Connaughton off the bench against the hometown team had about 14, 15. Miritich, same type of deal now that, that he is – rediscovered himself as a starter. You go back to the previous game when Bledsoe, who was terrible in game one, he was pretty terrible in game three. He was very good in game two. Uh, you know, Connaughton was pretty good in that one as well. Miritich was pretty listen good to some of well. the guys you're listening off of. You're listening off guards. Boston yeah. has, has a problem guarding guards right now. I mean, in, yeah. you know, freaking Pat Connaughton had 14 points and they, and every shot he made was big. It felt like yeah. every shot he buried was a big shot at a big time, and that's that's the troubling thing. And, and ho- you know, we're all waiting, hopefully, for the return of Marcus Smart, maybe for Game Four. Um, maybe do you for believe game that? Five. Let's just let's just do that real quick. Do you believe that? I know there's there's so much hype around it. You know, people are obsessed over whether Smart returns, over whether Brogdon returns, and it's you know both fan bases feel the same way. It sounds like obviously we're recording this early on Sunday morning that. Smart is going to maybe take part in in practice today. Do we believe he's ready to step into a playoff game in Game Four? Uh, defensively, I think I think he might be. If you're expecting offensive, you know, his offensive efficiency he's had all season from three point range, then you might be a uh, wishful thinking, we'll say. But I think defensively, he's always ready to you know to battle. I mean, that's the one thing I admire about Marcus Smart was. From minute one on an NBA floor, you knew he was just going to play defense and, and be a really good defensive player. So if right. he were to come back, I think he would, you know, not only help defensively, I think he'd bring energy. Obviously, this team plays different with a different swagger when he's on the floor. Um, I think he would help in those two areas. I mean, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to chase, you know, George Hill around the entire series, the entire game, but he's going to at least give you maximum effort while he does. I think, I think the signs we've seen all week are encouraging. I mean, he's you know he's playing. Uh, you know, just shooting around, then he's sprinting, then he's dunking, and then all of a sudden he's playing, you know, three on three and four on four and all that stuff. It's like, okay, we're progressing very nicely here to a point where, you know, this could be possible. But be honest with yourself. Like, did you think Marcus Smart was going to take all six weeks to come back from the injury? Because I did not. Like, no, of course I, I, not. We all know him. He's a, he's a maniac. He's 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 a, he's he's such a driven guy, and he's and he's always just trying to make sure he's he's playing. And it's the mo- one of the more admirable things about him. I mean, I just. There's so many great traits to Marcus Smart, and I'm, I'm thrilled that um, him and Danny came to some agreement this offseason for a contract. But, man, the one thing you never, never, never question Marcus Smart on is effort. And you know what if you get it back that his effort is going to be a little more contagious. And, you know, it might have a great effect on certain guys, and it might tank Terry Rozier's feelings. But, you know, they're going to need that. They're going to need that guy. Because right now they're getting smoked by guards. You can't – again, you can't let Pat Connaughton beat you, and you can't let – I mean, you cannot let George Hill – Go off for twenty one points. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, you can't let uh, the, the the backup, you know, the backcourt 
go off for 35 points in a playoff game. That's just not going to work. You have to play better defense. You're absolutely correct. What I love with Smart, too, and this is you know a little bit off topic, but you alluded to it with them coming to that contract agreement, the uh, the $52 million last year, a number I will never forget simply because he made that terrible rap song about it. Awful. Is, uh, it was so bad. Uh, is, is this, you know, how many guys, no matter the sport, whichever profession, you know, how, how many of these guys go and have a better year, a career year after signing a new contract? Yeah, like I, you know, which is, which is just so standard Marcus Smart. Like, of course, Marcus Smart, now that he's not dealing with any, Hand-related injuries, because I said it. You may, you probably remember, because you listen to all these shows. Yeah. I said last year, going into the season, one my grand prediction for the Celtics was Marcus Marcus Smart is going to be a thirty-six percent three-point shooter. That was specifically the number that I was touting, and I was doing it on social media and everywhere else. And he goes out, and as we know, bad year. I don't even remember what he shot: twenty-nine, thirty percent, like that. You know, he had. He had the hand injury from punching the frame, and he missed time. Then he had the hand injury later on in the playoffs on the you know the fluky play. He just he got hurt, and so it was not a good year for him on the whole. And it looked like that was really going to cost him money in the off season. And ultimately, they figured it out. And I think Danny Ainge just loves him so much that he he just he made it a point to bring him back, and he was going to pay what it was, even though he was effectively bidding against himself. There was nobody else out there. But the fact that Smart has now turned himself into that shooter where it doesn't seem fluky. You know, this is the, it seems like at least when healthy and not dealing with a hand injury, this is the new Marcus Smart. And he's, he's just, you know, Celtics like to talk about flipping switches. It seems like something has just clicked, you know, no more snow day practices and stuff like that. Just, this is, this is the real Marcus. And you always knew what you were going to get defensively, as you said. And he's, he's going to be, he should be that all defensive team player this year. But the fact that the offense and not just the improved playmaking skills and passing skills that we've seen in spurts and, and increasingly consistent over the last couple of years, the fact that he can now shoot as well, it's, it's just, it, it, it makes me really happy. You know what's funny though? You mentioned like how often do you see, a guy have a better year after, you know, the contract year, like after he signs a contract, now it's right. really great. You know what's going to do that? It's Terry Rozier. <laughs> I guarantee yeah. it. I, d- I guarantee yeah. that Terry Rozier it just, is a better It just year. won't be here. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. No, I look, Mark, I'm, I'm hoping that Marcus uh, gets back. Um, his He's just uh, the lifeblood of this team. Um, he's supremely important to what they do and is a big part of why the culture is the way it is. Um, but, you know, going into game four here, I'm – I don't know if I'm feeling anything at all. I, I, I'm really honest. <laughs> to be honest with you, Adam, like I'm just, I don't know. Like I, I need to see. I, they obviously can. They can play with this team. It's not like they can't. But like I need to see better focus on both ends. I mean, uh, one end I got to see better focus just all the way around, communicating defensively, fighting through screens, going through all that stuff. Um, I know Giannis is going to get in the paint. We all know that. But limiting the other guys has to be a priority. You can't let guys get open shots. Um, maybe they're collapsing too hard on Giannis. Maybe that's, and they're, they're all willing to help too, too much on Giannis. Maybe that, they, they can maybe back off on that so they can recover the shooters a little bit easier. Um, right. cause they've been, I mean, that's the one thing, man. When Giannis gets in the paint, he's got three guys on him. And maybe that's just being overzealous now. Maybe they have to dial that back and, and get back on shooters. And as you said, like, let Giannis beat them. Um, but, and then on the other floor, that side of the floor, I mean, just having better possessions and don't, you know, don't get caught up in, 
and trying to play one-on-one with Giannis because you're not going to beat him one-on-one. You're just not. He's really good. He's really good, especially if Kyrie's not playing well. I mean, if Kyrie's not, if Kyrie's missing 14 shots, you can't play Giannis one-on-one. You can't play him straight up. You have to find ways to get everybody involved and get everybody, you know, not just the starters who had a great game last game, but the bench guys too. But I just have, at this point, um, I need to see, I mean, again, I think Boston can obviously win the series, but I, I need to see a lot better focus on both ends before they, before I'm convinced that these guys can go in four games, uh, three games in four. One more quick break to tell you today's show is also brought to you in part by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos. All commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to 10 bucks for every trade, Robinhood doesn't. They don't charge any commission fees. You can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can invest on any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as 100 Most Popular, a bunch of others as well, to make life easier for you. With Robinhood, you learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. And Robinhood is giving listeners of Celtics Beat a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up today, Celtics.Robinhood.com. Again, that's a free stock when you sign up at Celtics.Robinhood.com. Back to the show. Is there, what's that one thing that you, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. What's that one thing that you feel like you have to see without exception for the Celtics to win, to beat the Bucks. And what I mean by that is, you know, I would have said coming into the series, like Gordon Hayward has to be really, really good. Well, you know what? They, they beat him in a game that he wasn't really, really good. You know, Marcus Smart has to come back. Well, they beat him in a game and Marcus Smart didn't play. Jason Tatum needs to be your, your second best offensive player. Well, they beat him in game one. Jason Tatum had a crappy game. So, the Bucks are a beatable team. Now, maybe they're not beatable in three out of the next four. We'll find out. But, but what is, what's that thing that you feel like it just, it just has to happen in order for the Celtics to win? And, you know, maybe for me, as I talk this out just out loud, I'm just now thinking about it. Maybe it's the Kyrie Irving just has to be exceptional. He, he has to be efficient from the field. He has to shoot well. He has to score a bunch of points. Doesn't mean he has to go for 40 or 50, but he has to be. Your your calming, your steadying, offensive presence, presence and shoot efficiently. You know that's what we saw in Game One. We certainly didn't see that in either Game Two or Three. Maybe for me, that's that's the thing that has to happen, independent of everything else. Well, you think about the effect it has on everybody else, though. Like if the, right. if he's playing well, how that affects the entire team, and you know that could be. That could be the thing. I mean, that could be it. You could you could make an argument for that, or I think they just you know defensively have to be better. I mean, the the, the point that you've made that's still ringing in my head here is the Bucks have scored 123 points the past two games, and that's just right. you're gonna you're gonna win zero of those games unless you have right. the craziest night you've ever had in your life from the field um, against a, a historically good defensive team. Uh, it's just gonna it's just not gonna work out. So I think either one of those two you can go with. I think. The energy you get when Kyrie plays well, um, as it translates throughout the rest of the roster, I think can be palpable on both ends. Like you can feel that. 
on both ends. So I, I, I'm not sure if, you know, one or the other matters more. I just do, I think both those things have to happen. I just think both those things have to happen. Again, you might, what the thing about Gordon is, I want to mention this because it's driving me absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> the ball has to find Gordon Hayward a lot. I just, yeah. you know, just, it has to find him a lot. The way the ball moves when he touches it, it's like the Al Hor- it's the same thing Al Horford. Like when Al Horford's on the floor, Right and, and let's say like Gordon's not, it's Kyrie and Al. Like the, those guys have to touch the ball a lot. When 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 Kyrie's not on the floor, Al Horford or Gordon Hayward has to touch the ball every time. I mean, just because good things happen when they touch the basketball, and it drives me insane when you know you'll have Rozier out there with Hayward and Morris and Baines and you know I don't know. Let's let's just say Jalen or something. Um, when that unit's out there and, and Hayward doesn't touch the ball, like bad things generally happen. I mean, because right. Rozier goes one on one or Morris goes one on one, and they don't get good shots. They get contested shots, and and you know Morris might be hot one day and, and make a bunch of them, or Rozier might be feeling that day. But at the end of the day, those aren't good possessions. Gordon Hayward makes good things happen by prying into the middle of the paint, getting in the lane, and finding you know whatever to do from there. Whether it's you know attack the basket, you know maybe take a fadeaway or get the ball outside. It's just. Good things happen when he touches the basketball, and I don't think he touches the basketball enough, and it drives me insane. Like, I'm on my couch, I'm yelling at the TV, I feel like I'm a crazy man, but, like, it, he just doesn't touch it enough. And and you, it's been such a revelation to watch him since, let's say, February to now, because it's just been slowly adding and slowly adding and slowly adding, and now you're like, wow, this is, this is what, a, what a player this guy is, what a fine this is, because he's played extremely well. I know he hasn't, you know, shot the ball – particularly well the last two games. But, again, good things happen when he finds the basketball, and it just has to keep happening. And the fact that it doesn't happen a lot drives me insane. It's funny. I'm, I'm looking at his numbers right now, uh, series to series, Bucks and Pacers. And there are so many consistencies, but obviously the inconsistencies are glaring. For instance, the minutes, basically identical, Bucks versus Pacers. The turnovers, identical. Fouls, identical. Steals, not far off, a couple more against the, the Pacers on that, you know, on, on average one versus point three. Blocks, identical. Rebounds, not far off. The assists, actually, you know, as a facilitator or just, you know, dumb luck of a guy hitting a shot versus not, he's been better against the Bucks. It's 4.3 versus 1.8. Free throws, he's getting to the line the same amount. He hasn't missed a free throw in the playoffs so far. Three-point shooting, same rate. You know, 38% for each round. What it comes down to is nine shots per game against the Pacers, seven against the Bucks, and against Mil- against Indiana, he made 50% of his shots, and against Milwaukee, he's hit 36. You know, so as a result, the points are a few less. The I imagine the confidence, the rhythm, all of it, it's just, it's, I, I'm not going to, Go so far as to say, because I'm not in his head, that it's taken a toll on him or it's impacted his confidence. I think it's just a little bit of dumb luck. But, you know, to a certain extent, too, shooters got to shoot. And he is a good shooter. And over the last two games, he has shot a combined three for 13. You know, regardless of the ball flowing through him, as we always talk about with Horford, like the ball can go through him and, and the offense can can filter through Horford, even if he's still taking only eight or nine shots for an entire game. We need to see Gordon Hayward getting his shots, getting his opportunities in that way. You know, it's more about more than about him just getting touches. We need him getting shots. You know, he needs to get into a rhythm of a game, and we have not seen that at all in the last two. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. He, 
more aggressive Gordon is is uh, is a big part of what I'm looking for for Game Four. More aggressive Gordon, more efficient Kyrie, better communication on the defensive end, and you know, hopefully more energy here. Again, Boston's played them tight. You know, it's just been these like weird parts of the third quarter and end of the fourth quarter where they just let it you know bog them down. But they've played Milwaukee pretty tight through the first you know half of every single game. Then obviously Game One was the best 48 minutes they've played all year. Um, but continuing to, to just remember that they can hang with this team too. Just don't get mentally bogged down by things and don't get caught up in things. That's, that's been, again, the game three, I just, that was the one thing I was like, I can't believe this team just, just had the, didn't have enough mental toughness to get through that, well that stretch. They had no mental toughness and, and it's just, it sucked. And to watch them, you know, kind of just fade away. And again, I know the, the calls are tough. Like I'm not saying the calls aren't tough but when they're late, it's even tougher to swallow. And it's, you know, with Giannis, it's like, how do you even defend this guy? You know, it's it's the same thing with Shaq. Like, I know people talk about, you know, him being the next coming of Shaq. Like, like that's a crazy thing. But like, that's how did you how do you officiate Shaq? How do you officiate LeBron? Like, it's almost impossible because you can call so much on every single play, whether it's he's initiating the contact or somebody's you know getting contacted with him. Like, you can go. It's it's every play. But what what do you let go and what do you not let go? I mean, there has to be. Some consistent line somewhere. I think Boston was physical with him in game one and expected that to carry on for the next two games, and I don't think it has. So I think their their complaints of, you know, maybe, you know, what are we supposed to do here with Giannis? Like, he just, he gets in the paint all the time and comes barreling in. Are we not supposed to be able to also touch him? Like, I, I, get, the, I get it, but it's just, it's been such a mental crutch for Boston, and it, it really killed them last game. It really did. So what's your, you know, it doesn't need to be a grand proclamation, but to circle back to where we were at the start of the show, what is your gut feeling? I know you said you don't really have one, but if you attempted to have one for game four, what do you think? Well, I think it's a must win for Boston. I don't know if they're win, though. I, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time feeling like um, they win game four without some significant improvements in certain areas. And I know people are going to be like, well, that's crazy. I'm like, no, it's not, because that's how good Milwaukee is. Milwaukee's a really good basketball team. Um, and, you know, the homer and me picked the Celtics to win the series because I'm a homer. And I'm, that's fine. I'm not going to not pick my team. I love watching Boston. But Milwaukee's really good. And, you know, Giannis is a, is, is, is a beast. I saw him. I got to see him in person last year, and he scored the most effortless 40 points I've ever seen. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was on Greek night, too, which was pretty cool. Um, but, I you know, Kyrie's got to play better. I, I I think that um, they're in some trouble though. I do think they're in trouble, and I and it if in if if Milwaukee comes out like I think they're going to come out, knowing that um, I think uh, Game Four for them is also kind of like this. You know, if we win this game, it's over. I think they might come out with that mentality, and I think it might be hard for Boston to win. I was walking down the street not long ago. This was during the regular season when the Bucks were in town, and uh, you know I I. I'm not going to say. I mean, plenty of people probably know the the autograph seekers and everything, but I I know where visiting teams stay when they're in Boston, what hotel they're at. And I was walking down the street. I just happened to randomly be in the area. I was not one of those people chasing down autographs. And I uh, I just walked by Giannis. He was uh, he was by himself, just heading back to the hotel, coming from wherever, maybe a workout at the gym or something like that. Right. Uh, but just passed him on the street and. You know, he goes by me and I just stopped and I turn around. And I look at him. It's like, you, you know, even if, even if you didn't know, you know, Giannis, when you see him, right. <laughs> it's, right. it's, Can't uh, miss him. 
yeah, just such a such a big, unique looking dude that uh yeah, it was pretty crazy. But um Do you feel confident you. here or no? You feel What's any that? confidence in the Celtics at this point or no? I mean I I yes. I'm I'm confident that they're going to keep it interesting, you know, whether that means they even the series versus fall down 3-1 and then, you know, win game five to make it 3-2. I'm really not sure. I mean, my what was your prediction going into the series? Did Had you even made one? Um, in my head, and I don't think I did it on Twitter, but uh, in my head, um, I said season seven. Okay. Um, but I, you know, obviously so, now I'm, I'm not feeling nearly as confident. Well, so my prediction going into the series that I said on the show with – I don't even remember. Was it D'Amico, maybe? <laughs> maybe it was D'Amico, yeah. Uh, was uh, was Bucks and Six. And I suddenly felt not so great about that in a very good way after game one. And, uh, and But now I feel like we're just, we're kind of trending right back toward that. And I don't, you know, I don't clearly, you know, as, as someone who covers the team, follows the team, roots for the team, is a fan of the team. Uh, I don't. I don't want to see that happen. I, you know, I'd like to have at least a, a couple, few more weeks of of playoff basketball around here. But yeah, it's it's hard to be. I feel like it would be delusional. It would be. It would be very. You know, as as the critics like to say, very green teamer esque to be overly confident right now with what we've seen these last two games. Yeah. It, it, it's you know, it's it's just difficult. And I think as much time as we spent off the top of the show talking about the offense, it really does go back to the defense. If the defense can I'm not worried about the Celtics winning a game, they only score, you know, ninety seven points if the defense is what it was in game one. And I don't entirely know how they get themselves back to that. It's yep. it's possible. It's you know they they've shown it not long ago. You know not on, not even a week ago, but how they revert back to it, I just don't entirely know. Can we just? I want to take just a minute here to complain. The reason why we're doing this show the way it is right now is because this schedule is completely whack. Oh. This this is the most brutal. I don't know who put the playoff schedule together, but this is the worst. I'm telling you right now. I it like. The way hockey does it, and I, and I, I hate to do this, I hate to do this, but the way every hockey does day. it is better. It's just way better. There's a, there's a game every other day. Uh, doesn't matter if you're traveling or whatever. whatever. It's, just, it's just better. I mean, I, and you can set your watch to it. I have no idea. I always know when the Bruins are playing. I don't know always when the Seas are playing. Like, this is nonsensical. This is nonsense. Because, look, I'm going to peel back the Iron Curtain here. Here's how this works. Adam and I talked during the playoffs. Well, when does it make time? When does it make the best time to do this show, right? Do we do it, you know, for this one specifically, do we do it today when there's this weird layoff before game four? Do we wait till after game four so we have two games left? Like, what do we do here? Like, we couldn't do it Friday because that was game three. And you would lose so much, so much, you know, clout in the podcast rankings if you were to do one um, after game three and, and then right. just have so much dead air time. This schedule sucks. I mean, it really does. It's the dumbest thing they put together. It bothers me. There's not two games. Like, I would rather have a night where I didn't have basketball than have the next night have two games. Because I don't know to do with myself with these nights that there's only one game on. Like, Well, here's here's what I really don't understand. And I, I had said this to you when we were texting trying to figure out, as you said, when to do the show. All right. So the, the Celtics are home Friday. The Bruins are home Saturday. 
Why is nobody playing Sunday? Sunday, they're you know they're well the the NBA of course would prefer weekend ratings. It's not like today is Mother's Day, right? You know why is this thing going on Monday? There must be something at the Garden. So as you were talking, I just pulled up the Garden box office. There is no event at the TD Garden today. So in what, what universe? And what, what are we doing here? Makes sense that, that Game Four of this series isn't happening today. I, I don't understand it at all. It's ridiculous. I, I you know, like the only thing that helps is another day of rest for Marcus Smart. It's really it. It's the only good that's coming out of this. But I just, I, I can't do it. Like I, I need to have two games on at night. Like if it's a weeknight and there's NBA playoffs on, I can't have this one game thing. You know, I need the eight o'clock and then the eleven. Like it just, it's just like after it's done. Like I, I, I don't know what to watch anymore. Like, I just, you know, because it's they. A lot of these games have been really good. Like I, the 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 Philly series with with Toronto was fascinating. Um, the just for the drama of it, you know, Houston Golden State has been really fun and dramatic and ridiculous with all of this, all of the following and stuff. Like it's just been, it's been a fun. Like energy and and look at Portland and and uh, Portland and Denver. Like that's been a fun series too. That game went to what four or five overtimes? Four, four overtimes. What yeah. in the world? Like this has been great. I need more. Like I just can't. This one game thing. I'm just not doing it. It's not doing it for me. All right. Well, I think that's probably as good a place for us to end yeah, because yeah, we're we're we we can both sit ahead to uh, do nothing later on today right. as as we wait for this game and then. We'll figure out when during the week to uh, drop the next one because again, it's if you've looked ahead as as I have, it's the exact same thing next weekend. If the Celtics are still playing garbage. anyway, it's it's Friday, Monday, nothing on the weekend. It yeah, doesn't doesn't make sense. garbage. Doesn't make sense. What am I supposed to do? Watch the Red Sox right now? I mean, come on. Not not right now. Yeah, I, look, they're playing better. What have, I think they've won five out of six. Yeah. But I just I can't when when the Celtics are still playing in May and the Bruins are still playing in May. Yeah, I don't care. I, I can't get invested in Red Sox baseball right now. And I am a fan. I'm right. not as diehard a fan as I once was in my life, but I am a fan and I just I can't do it right now with That's, all this other stuff. I all can't. I know is Michael Chavis or is it Chavis or Chavis? Chavis. Chavis. Yeah. Michael Chavis is killing it right now. That's all. Oh, he's, he's he's the answer to all their problems. The ice horse, huh? <laughs> is that what we're calling him? We're calling him the ice horse. Yeah, I don't even know. I, I know that's like a – I think it's a Jared Carabas thing. I have no idea where it came from. No. Um, I, I don't I don't know what the – Kind of into it, but I got I to gotta hear more of why he's the ice horse. Yeah, I need I need some background on Is that. Game nickname. of Thrones related thing? Maybe. I, I don't watch that either, which oh, I'm sure – Wow, wow. I know. Adam. I know. I know. I'll, I'll we, edit that out. <laughs> yeah, we, we, get, we do, do a whole do a whole hour just on that. I'm sure. I'm sure. All right. Well, All right, for, uh, for Evan Valenti, Adam Kaufman, thank you for tuning in to us, and uh, hopefully, you know, not only will we remain on schedule next weekend, but hopefully we'll have more and more Celtics basketball to talk about once we get these freaking games playing again, and hopefully the C's can. Even up this series as the Bruins did with the Blue Jackets before their Game 5, just to add that little extra, here we go, best of three situation. I, I think we'd all feel a lot better with that. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. 
As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.